Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Lori. And this is 80s Music Rewind, where we discuss 80s music and culture as only two friends who have been friends since the 80s can. So sit back and take a listen. This is 80s Music Rewind. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 80s Music Rewind. I am Ruth. And I'm Lori. And today we have a two-parter. This is part one of a two-parter. We're doing a series on girl bands and top singles of the 80s. Uh, what they think in the UK were the top 20 girl band singles, and then the top girl bands according to the US. So this should be an interesting juxtaposition. Yes. Because some of these we ain't going to know. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot of them. I'm going to so. be honest. Yeah, but that's okay. Your yes. nail color is very pretty. Thank you. Did you just get them done? Yes, I did. They're really pretty. Thank you. Do you like mine? It's called I Don't Have Time to oh, Do natural. My Nails. Not all natural. It's it's, it's sad. These are some here. of the new uh, OPI fall colors. Those are very cute. Yeah, mine, my color is called sadness because <laughs> I don't even have time to breathe. Or I'm a mom, no time to breathe or eat dinner or or anything. So... Okay, so this one, the UK version we're looking at is from Classic Pop Magazine, which is a really great magazine if you've never read it. It has a lot of in-depth um, interviews and a lot of really cool things you didn't know were in it. I really like the magazine. I don't subscribe to it because I don't, can't afford it. Let's be honest. It's, <laughs> you know, kind of pricey sometimes. All right, so let's go with number 20. And the number 20 song is Toto Coleo. Is it Coleo or Coleo? 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 Okay, now you sound like you're in Harry Potter and you're saying, no. It's, it's not Wink. It's not. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> it's not Leviosa. Yeah. It's Leviosa. Right, exactly. So. Uh, yes. I Eat Cannibals. This is the brainchild of 70s glam rocker turned prolific hit maker Barry Blue. Provided the perhaps the new wave scene most unashamedly ridiculous single with infectious cod tribal ode to cannibalism. Do you see why I can't afford this magazine? Because the way they write is like I okay, can't even. First of all, like it's just weird. I don't know the song. Ruth claims I do know the song, but I mean I'm sorry. It's considered the twenty top, the twentieth of the top twenty female singles. In the UK from the 80s, this like really shocks me. Yep. Um, um, they also had to change their name stateside to avoid confusion with the yacht rockers who blessed the rains down in Africa. Toto. Oh, Toto, yeah. So let's listen to a little bit of this because Lori knows it, I swear. All right, we're going to speed it up. Okay, it just sounds... How do you not know this? I eat cannibals. I... Okay, I, I don't recall this song at all. It just seems like a silly song that would have been like in a funny movie or something. It reminds me of Halloween. something Weird Al would have done, except not a parody. Right. Lori's making fun of me because I'm eating my dinner. Because previously I said... Moms don't have time to eat dinner. I don't. So I'm eating my dinner. So I'm going to try not to smack. But if anybody's wondering, I made chicken pot pie. It smells really delicious and looks delicious, by the way. It makes my dinner that I had look very, very sad. So I'm actually kind of jealous. Yeah. 
So number 19. Okay, number 19 is from Seduction. Two to make it right. Now, I do know this song. I do not. Oh, well, look at this. Look at this. So, Seduction began as an early incarnation of CNC Music Factory hmm. before evolving from a studio project into a fully fledged girl band, boasting future RuPaul's Drag Race judge Michelle Visage. Almost unrecognizable as a Madonna esque blonde. Ah, how about that? They sample Art of Noise and Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. The slickly produced freestyle of two to make it right unfairly struggled to make it higher than number 79 in the UK. But in their American homeland, the fabulous trio were only kept off the top spot by Paul Abdul and her animated cats. All right. Oh, I don't like that song. <laughs> I, you know, I shouldn't say that. I don't like that video. Oh. That freaking cat in that mm. video. I'm like, come on. All right. Oh. Let's listen to a snippet of this. Because you know this one. You, I don't. you hear it. You will the minute you hear it. Am I supposed to know it by now? Seriously. Well, the minute they start singing, you'll know it. Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you know this. Come on. Okay. Huh, this is, I need to send this for Decades Day to my daughter who is panicked about wearing something for Decades Day mm. for homecoming. Why is she panicked? Because she's trying, she's trying to figure out her entire wardrobe for the week. There's their choices for deck for homecoming were like piss poor this year. They okay. sucked. You know what my son is doing? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. She. I don't even think he probably even realizes it's homecoming. Is he going to the dance? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Are you trying to make me laugh so hard? Oh my goodness! That would be like torturing him. That would be like making me sit in a room full of tarantulas, making my son go to that dance. Really? Uh-huh. He has no no desire. Hmm. Mm hmm Oh, yeah. No, will I make him? We got the dress. Uh-huh. Only $60 because she picked one from Windsor. I uh -huh. hate Windsor so much. I'm like, I get emails. I know. Crap. I get emails from them all the time, and I just love to laugh because... You know, they probably think I'm the young 20-something. Mm -hmm. And so when I see my festival wear and it looks like a bra and thong mm -hmm. panties, and they think I'm going to tramps around some festival <laughs> in public wearing such an outfit. A crocheted bra. I know. And here's the thing. Even if I was in my 20s, I, wouldn't wear that. I still would not have. All right. I guess it's not the, I guess I don't have the confidence to walk around a festival day and wear that. Because you have to have some balls. The clothes are made I know you're cheap. female, but you have yeah. to have some balls. Oh, my God. No, to walk around with that. that stuff on. First of all, it's uncomfortable. And I just imagine you have nipple chafing. Well, so I would not want those that. Those hospitals are in desert climate. You can, imagine me with my skin tone. I would be no, like at the hospital me too. with third degree burns yep. and in places I don't want third degree burns. Right. We, we pass on that. Yes. All yes. right. Number 18 is the Weather Girls. It's raining men. Now, we all know this, I would hope. Yes. Um, Diana Ross, Cher, and Donna Summer were reportedly just a few of the legendary divas who turned down this gay pride classic. What a mistake. Uh, the latter even described it as blasphemous. What? Hmm? What? Before it was offered to Martha Wash and Azora Armstead, who also said no. The Weather Girls initially believed the concept of reigning men was just too absurd to record and only gave in after relentless pleading from its Oscar winner writer, Paul Jabra. Despite overplay and Jerry Hallwell's inferior chart-topping chart -topping cover, its camp, 
its ultra camp charm still remain intact nearly 30 years on. I should wear my glasses if I'm this Yeah, that away. would be helpful. Yeah. Um, I love this song. It's stupid. It is, but it's hilarious. I love it. But it's it. like, it's something that you would listen to before you go out. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like, it go is. go out and get ready. It song. is. It's, it's just a fun song. It's just, you know. It's like a girl's night out song. It's a girl's night out yes, song. It's definitely. just, come on. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just a fun song. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's like a cannibal song. It's fun. <laughs> it's not meant to be like, you know, mm-hmm. like some Grammy not award winning song. <laughs> All right. Number 17. Whoa. Is the Bell Stars Sign of the Times, an offshoot of another all-female outfit, two-tone record singers, the Body Snatchers. The Bell Stars first found fame updating classic novelty anthems for the new wave age, but they achieved their biggest success when they completed their label boss, Dave Robinson's master plan, three covers and then an original. Combining cut glass spoken word and slinky guitar riffs, Sign of the Times might have been a more grown-up affair. But with its chant-like chorus and easy-to-learn dance routine, it still had plenty of playground appeal. I don't know this song. And I love how it's like easy-to-learn dance routine, like we were all doing it. Yeah, never heard of it. Nah. Wait. I want to know. I want to know what the easy dance routine is. She's dressed like uh, Boy George. I don't know. I can't tell. Oh, well, that was popular back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to move on because I love the next song a lot. Number 16 is Lori by. Lori says, okay, we're going to move on. It means she hates it. Yeah. FYI, if you didn't know that by now. <laughs> so number 16 is by Expose, Let Me Be The One. And you know from other podcasts, if you listen, that anytime there's an Expose song on any countdown, I'm in love with it because I love Expose. But they are the Miami-based group. Went through so many personnel changes in their early years. They made Sugar Babes. Sugar Babes, sorry, appear the height of girl band stability. Like we're supposed to know who that is. I know but who af- Sugar Babes are. No, Sugar. Sugar Babes. Yeah. Oh. But after settling on the lineup of Ann Curlis, Gioa Bruno, and Jeanette Gerardo, the trio scored an impressive run of seven consecutive top 10 U.S. hits, even reaching number one with the gloopy ballad Seasons Change. The powerhouse electro funk of predecessor Let Me Be the One is their finest hour. Although, as with all of their material, it was still met with a resounding shrug on this side of the Atlantic. Yeah, I do remember reading that this did not do well in the UK. I'm really confused. Why? Because I thought this was supposed to be what the 20 top girl bands were in the UK. And most of these songs are saying that these didn't do well in the United Kingdom. I think it's like in the, yeah, this is the top, this one's the top 20 girl band songs that they think in the UK, but this says that they didn't do well. So it's kind of, right, it was weird. Yes. Yeah, so this is the second time they said they didn't do well in the UK, but why would they say it's in the top? So I'm really confused. I think they're saying it should have done better. Oh, okay. I think they're saying that this is one of the top songs and it should have done better. So it's just their opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought this was like actual in the UK. Like these were the top 20. That's why I was confused. No, but we can do that one if you want. Okay. I'll have to hunt for that. Yeah. Well, We'll do that one later. Yeah. But no, but I love Expose. And how dare they say that it was, you know, 
It was. I mean, they had some. They had some jams. I know. They had I'm, some hits. I listened to it but all I don't the time. Think that, you know, it, we've talked about this a million times. Like songs in the UK just. But I've always found that if there's a like a song that starts in the U, it'll start in the UK. It'll be like super popular, and then two weeks later, it gets here. Mm-hmm. Like, think about Eurovision. It's the same thing. So, because I'm going to be a nice person and let Ruth finish her dinner. Number 15 mm-hmm. is by Sister Sledge, All American Girls. The twee Motown pastiche of 1985's Frankie. Again, saw, another word which makes me realize I, know, I should not buy this magazine. Saw Sister Sledge become one of those rare acts to score their only UK chart topper with arguably their weakest single. Mm. But the Philadelphia-born family outfit began the decade in much stronger form. Indeed, produced by... Narada Michael Walden, fourth LP All American Girls, proved the sisters could still create disco magic without the aid of Niall Rogers and Bernard Edwards. Admittedly, this title track, later sampled on Tom Jones's Sex Bomb, is a chic classic in all but name. Do we know this song? I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar to me. Let's play it as okay. I finish my dinner now. Yes. Thank you all for listening to me too. Hold on. This sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I like it, even if I don't. Yes, Ruth and I are dancing. Oh, yep, I we know, know this song. Yep. This is a good song. It is. Very good song. We like it. Yep. All right, number 14 is We Papa Girl Rappers Heated Up. Okay, we don't know this. I'll tell you that already. Okay. Formerly backing vocalist for Fergal Sharkey, which we know who Fergal Sharkey is. Twin sisters Sandra and Samantha Lawrence's musical beginnings might not have been particularly cool, but alongside Cookie Crew and She Rockers, We Papa Girl Rappers were part of a London scene which showed that the U.S. didn't have the monopoly on female hip-hop. I didn't know that we ever had the monopoly on female hip-hop. I would have said we did. Although We Rule was a bigger hit, this collaboration with two men and a drum machine best showcased their sample-laden fusion of breakbeat rap acid house and cheeky lyrical flow. Can I just say something here real quick? And then we'll play it. If you have to describe your music using more than two adjectives or like two styles, that's something. It's interesting. M- multi-layered. Yes. Let's, let's play yes. this. This is We Papa Girl Rappers featuring two men and a drum. This sounds like uh a song that was already out. It sounds like Art of Noise. Lori and I are giving each other looks. Would anybody like to guess what that means? <laughs> Pass. No. I'll stick with my salt and pepper. Yeah. They're awesome on TikTok, by the way. Which, by the way, they're on this countdown. I know. Shh. You're not supposed to talk about it. I know. Number 13 is Pepsi and Shirley High Time. The prolific jelly bean remixed everyone from Africa, Bambata, Bambata? To ZZ Top to Huey Lewis in the news during his 80s heyday. However, you might not know that he once applied his studio trickery to surely the most envied backing vocal duo of the decade. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, XWAM cohorts Pepsi and Shirley managed to secure the talents of the candy monikered producer for the fifth single from their debut album, All Right Now. Side note, I looked to get this on Discogs. 
Mm. I cannot afford it. Yeah. But I will soon. And while it sank without a trace, its 808 beats and gleaming synths provided possibly the pair's finest moment since I'm your man. Let's listen to it from 1987. Okay, we're going to speed it up. Okay, still speeding up. I'm a minute 26 in. I think it's something I'd have to listen to a couple yeah. times. Yeah. Because it's, I'll just say it's like seven minutes and 20 seconds long. And Jelly Bean does a great, did a great job in all this stuff, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. Number 12 is Wendy and Lisa Waterfall. While fellow girl bands, Apollonia 6 and Vanity 6 were put together by Prince himself, Wendy and Lisa only joined forces when the Purple One brought their time in the revolution to an abrupt end in 1986. A year later, childhood friends Melvoyan and Coleman showed they could make it without their one-time leader on a genre-hopping I have trouble with that word. I do too. Debut album. Lead singer lead single, sorry, Waterfall <laughs> failed to make the UK Top 40 on two occasions, but with its sensual, bluesy, adult pop sound, Charlene Spiteri and company definitely appeared to be listening. And you can't um, play it because it's blocked, but I do remember this song, and I actually liked it a lot. How, do you remember this song? I love, I love what it says. It says, the video, this video contains content from SME, who has blocked it in your country. So it really makes me wonder what's on this video. Why is it blocked in my it's, country? Because it's copyright. So, you know, sometimes you'll put a video like uh, the girl had a performance and she played her instrument for this performance, and I taped it and I put it on Facebook for people to see. They blocked it in 47 countries. It was a classical music piece. It's it's royalty free. They blocked mm. it in 47 countries. Same thing. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Number 11 is a song that I am in love with so much that I play it every day and I'm totally lying because I never heard of it. Strawberry <laughs> Switchblade since yesterday. I was looking at Ruth like, are you freaking kidding me? Because I have no idea what this song is. Sporting an eye-catching blend of bright red lipstick, hair ribbons, and polka dot outfits. I love a good polka dot outfit. Love a polka dot. It's having a moment. It is the moment. I do like polka dot, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I love a polka dot. Yeah, you do. Strawberry Switchblade, a.k.a. Rose McDowell and Jim Bryson, inevitably make quite the impression when they emerge from the Glasgow pub scene in the mid-1980s. Championed by John Peel, their eponymous, eponymous blah, blah, debut album soon proved that they had substance to their goth meets geisha girl style, too. None more so than on the lead single since yesterday, a glorious slice of bittersweet pop, which sounds like a tale of dying love, but is in fact about nuclear war. Sounds uplifting. Let's Does take a it? look. Wow. I do love a polka dot. I like how they say this is like goth, but she don't look very goth to me, so we'll just call that a day. I mean, her... Lips, her red lipstick, her hair ribbons, and polka dot outfit. Does it remind you of Goth? No. Why is this on this list? 
I mean, is this really good? I mean, we, I like this podcast so much because we expose ourselves to things we would never listen to. Yes. So there's so much. We thought we knew like so much. I like, absolutely know nothing. I fear. Yeah. And now we have found out that Lori, Lori and I know nothing. But I'm really excited about the next one. So can I we just go are. to it so I can talk about yeah, let's it? Let's go. <laughs> okay. Number 10 is Salt and Peppa with Push It. And everybody, everybody, everyone knows that I love this song so, so, so much. Anyway, but let me talk about it. So Salt and Peppa have since admitted they were originally unconvinced by the single that launched them to global fame and ultimately paved the way for everyone from TLC to Cardi B. In fact, Push It was initially relegated to B-side status before being re-released a year later where it spent three weeks at number two behind the less streetwise Glenn Medeiros. That's a shame. It should have been number one. Please. Glenn Medeiros. Yet more than three decades on, the trio's deliciously dirty since. In your face delivery, <laughs> your an inspired whispering sample of a fuck rock obscurity remains a guaranteed party. Let's starter. play a little bit of this one. No, I had to laugh because it's talking about how it's in your face, and yet Ruth and I—well, I don't know—Ruth didn't maybe didn't know, but you know, as we have talked about that, I didn't realize that it was about sex. <laughs> so I laughed because I said it was so in your face, but yet it wasn't in Lori, your face. <laughs> not in my face wasn't in Lori's face which I guess is a good thing but my young son has been subjected to this in a concert so here you go yep Never knew it was about sex, did you? No, I didn't. Get up on this. When you're dancing up on someone dirty dancing, that's what I thought it was about. And you push it because everybody was like dirty dancing back then. Yes, that's they were. I totally thought it was about. And that's okay. I mean, I didn't think that it wasn't had a sexual tone to it, but I thought it was about like dirty dancing. Yeah, I, that was, thing, I could get that. I didn't realize it was really about I, dirty dancing. <laughs> Under the sheets. <laughs> anyway, love that song. I love that song. Did oh you do you watch a TikTok of that chick that did like the the tutorial about? I need to find that TikTok for you and show it to you. She did one. She's like in her forties, and she was like, she gets up and she goes, "Okay, I don't want to see people doing dancing to this and twerking. That's not what you do." And she went through the whole dance and she showed people how to do it. And she goes, "Oh my god, my back!" And she was like hurting. And then she did one for Vanilla Ice, and he invited her to go. I think I've seen that one where she teaches them how to do the the ice ice. But have you seen like watch the one where she does Salt and Pepper? It is hilarious and salt and pepper reposted it mm. they loved it it was funny all right number nine is the go-go's vacation all i ever wanted mm-hmm. although massive in the states the go-go's are often considered only a minor footnote in front woman belinda carlisle's career in the uk in fact their solitary top 40 hit over here emerged bizarrely from their mid-1990s reunion rather than their early 1980s heyday Perhaps their sun-drenched, brightly colored take on post-punk was just a little too Californian for us Brits at the time. Accompanied by a water-skiing promo, Vacation is one of several short, sharp, and sweet classics, which suggests we were missing out. You were. Yes. You were, UK. You were. This is a 
banger. I know. How do they not like the Go-Go's? Well, I mean, probably because they are like, it was very much like California thing and they were probably not into it at the time. And they already had a good vacation song with Bananarama. Mm, that's true. So, great song. Number eight, Lori. Mai Tai History. thought that was a drink. Uh, okay. Yes, it is a drink. It is a good drink. Formed by the Dutch pop scene's most prolific hit-making duo, Flutsma and Van Tinge, sorry if I just butchered your names, three-piece girl group Mai Tai were their only protégés to make any waves in the UK, having previously plied sorry, yeah. their trade. Again, I can't buy this magazine. I'm not smart enough. No, okay. I just should have my glasses on. Their trade as backing singers, Jetty Wheels, Caroline DeWint, and Mildred Douglas, rose to the occasion with two top hand hit, top, God, we can't talk today, with two top 10 hits in the mid-1980s, Body and Soul and History. The latter, a sassy kiss-off to a wayward ex, was a glorious post-disco banger. Banger! Yeah, I know. <laughs> which could have been easily plucked from the Pointed Sisters' golden streak. And how many times have we heard this song, Lori? Uh, I'm going to guess zero. I've, I'm, I'm going to guess zero. Should we play a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we should. Let's, let's see if we can mm-hmm. figure this out. I don't know it. No. All right. Number seven, it's Mary Jane Girls All Night Long. All Night Long doesn't exactly sound like the byproduct of a girl band mentored by Hellraiser Rick James, named after a slang term for marijuana and boasting a whip-cracking dominatrix in its lineup. Indeed, the Mary Jane Girls, essentially a vehicle for lead vocalist Jojo McDuffie, delivered one of the classiest soul cuts of the 80s with their only UK hit. Underpinned by a deliciously seductive bassline, the slinky slow jam has since been interpolated by everyone from J-Lo to Jay-Z. But it was best utilized by another Mary Jane, the one and only Ms. Blige. Do we know this song? I only know one Mary Jane Girls song. My House? Yeah. My House. Uh All right. Sounds like Michael Jackson at this point. Would you meet me on the roof tonight? Mm. I got a surprise for you. I got a surprise for you. Uh, are they going to do it on the roof all night long? I guess so. That's uncomfortable. There's asphalt up there. <laughs> Tar. <laughs> bug droppings. Yeah. Imagine what it'd be like to be mentored by Rick James and the amount of coke constantly around you everywhere. I I, I just can't even. I mean, I think I would just be like, I got pass. I mean, uh, I just, I, how did he get anything done? I don't know. Seriously. I wonder. All right. Number six, Lori. The Pointer Sisters. Oh my God. The Pointer Sisters dare me. And then I have, so, the Pointer Sisters became the <laughs> Chameleonic. Thank you. <laughs> I can't talk. Chameleonic tonight. girl band. 
Okay, Chameleonic girl band, the Pointer Sisters, became the queens of the dance floor in the mid-80s with a string of hits that paired the trios soaring close-knit harmonies. <laughs> I need to wear Soaring close-knit harmonies. <laughs> with innovative... I'm just going to hold my phone up. I know it. There we go. Electropop production, the most addictive, if not necessarily the most well done. No, sorry. Well done. <laughs> Wait, it was salt. This sucks. Oh my god. Okay. And see, if not necessarily the most well known club classic from their commercial peak, appeared courtesy of Dare Me, later transformed in a twenty into a twenty first century anthem by Junior Jack. The lead single from 1985's Contact boasts the kind of energetic chorus which practically implores you to bust a move. Bust well, let's it. find out if I'm going to bust, bust a move it. here. I know it. Yeah, I know it too. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know it. Uh-huh. I like it. Yep. All right, number five is Fuzzbox Self. <laughs> the brilliantly named We've Got a Fuzzbox and We're Going to Use It inevitably faced sellout accusations when they reemerged with a second album, Big Bang. Gone was a ramshackle post-punk that had graced NME's legendary C86 tape and its pl- in its place was a string of smash hits, friendly anthems co-written by the man behind Walking like an Egyptian. The quartet are unlikely to have given a damn about such stuffy critics anyway, and completing a trifecta of underrated girl band classics, the vibrant power puff, pop of self fully justified their reinvention. Okay, this is their name. Fuzzbox? We've got a fuzzbox and we're going to use it. Why does that just sound like a euphemism? It's because it's a euphemism. Okay. Really, there's wax for that. <laughs> Although that's painful, so. Remember when we used to say you didn't telephone? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you didn't text me. I know. You didn't DM me. You didn't DM me. Yeah. I ain't getting an IM from you. Yeah. That's a little... good drum that's not bad I don't mind no, it no actually I don't mind it I don't know but the lead singers are really pretty like super like red hair and blue eyes really pretty I just like their confidence though that we've got a fuzz box and we're going to use it yeah hey, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's there's sure there's people that have weird names that we don't know about there's probably people called vagina pops and you know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Lips Incorporated. I mean, uh, yeah. which one were they talking about? Go ahead. Lori wants this one. Of course I do. Number four, Banana Rama, A Trick of the Night. You could fill this entire list with the defining girl group of the decade. Cruel Summer, Robert De Niro's Waiting and Love in the First Degree. In particular, would all be worthy of a similar placing here. However, Banana Rama's greatest 80s moment was a wistful tale of a friend who joined the world's oldest profession that barely scraped the top 40. <clears throat> Karen, Sarah, and Siobhan's harmonies have never sounded better than on this rare mid-tempo track, which the trio 
begged unsuccessfully to be released as True Confessions first single. I totally disagree that this is one of their better songs. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I really don't think it is, but let's play it. All right. All right, words, please. <laughs> this is not your style, Banana Rana sign. It's not. You know this song, I right? Know, I do. It's just not my favorite. No. Like, but, okay, number three is Mel and Kim, Respectable. The only 80s girl band to score four consecutive UK top singles, Mel and Kim brought out the best in the stock Aiken Waterman hit factory, doubling up as a repost? Repost? I'm not smart enough to read this magazine, apparently. To all those... (laughs) Master's degrees are not doing us any good at this point. To all those who dismissed the production team as the lowest common denominator, Respectable is a tour de force of high NRG pop, complete with a brain-lodging Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay hook and a Talio house breakdown not too dissimilar to Jack Your Body. But the... Do you have any idea what he just said in that sentence? Okay. But the joyously carefree vocals of the Street Smart Sisters were just as instrumental to its chart-topping success what we're i'm why do i feel like i'm not smart enough for this i want to reach out to these people at this magazine and go dumb it down for me i think it's just the way it's written maybe yeah yeah i mean yeah obviously i mean freaking analyze wars i can do this Ooh, they're doing the way and dance the move. Hook. That's what they're doing. Oh. Oh, I know this song. I do know this. Oh, they peg legged their jeans. Mm. What would that? happen if I go back to peg legging my jeans? Do you think anybody would? What do I care, though? You know what I mean? People would just probably think, like, oh, that's back in style. Yeah, I could just set a trend. That's right. Start. Maybe I'll do that. I thought somebody else was peg-legging jeans. I thought I read somewhere that somebody was doing it. We could do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. It'd be 52 soon. Are you going to have your mm-hmm. scrunchy socks, like, peg-legged on top of this? I kind of miss I'm not going to lie when I kind of miss those socks, because they were comfortable. <laughs> they were. They, they were, were the most comfortable. comfortable socks. But the kids wore those Nike socks, uh, whatever, the ones with the gray bottoms. And I got a couple pairs for myself. I'm like, well, they are so comfortable. Expensive. But, oh, my God, I can see why. Mm-hmm. They're, like, totally comfortable. The only thing is that they make my feet sweat. If it's hot. If, well, like, yeah. That's because, good. you know, mm-hmm. if you're walking... Number two, Lori. What is it? Shakespeare's sister, your history. Having left Bananarama due to their increasing... Oh, sorry. In, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. You're Reliance right. on Saw, Siobhan Fahey soon gravitated towards the left field. With her solo project turned reluctant duo Shakespeare's sister, combining her newfound femme fatale-like delivery with Marcella Detroit's glass-shattering operatic tones, breakthrough single, Your History, certainly couldn't be mistaken for a hit factory production, that's for sure. The epic stay may be their signature hit, but it's here where the pair's push-pull chemistry produces something truly spellbinding. You're familiar with this? Mm, I don't know if I am. 
No. You're not familiar with this? You might like them. They're okay. Mm-hmm. I like Siobhan Faye, though. Yeah, you do. Number one is The Bengals' Eternal Flame, co-written with the songwriting team behind similarly dramatic ballads by Cindy Lauper and Hart. Eternal Flame was a marked departure from the new wave up-tempo material that launched the Bengals to fame. There's hardly any drums for one thing, much of the frustration of manager Miles Copeland, who believed the, music, the public weren't quite ready for a beatless Bengals. Yet the track, partly inspired by a private tour of Graceland, ew, became the quartet's biggest hit, chopping, topping the charts on both sides of the Atlantic. Susanna Hoffs can take much of the credit thanks to a measured vocal performance, which perfectly captures the song's yearning sentiment. You only have to listen to Atomic Kitten's tepid cover to realize how flawlessly she pulls off those epic final notes. But the group's gorgeous mini-part harmonies, Mickey Peterson's lifting guitar solo, and the soaring strings that perfectly align with the video's crashing waves all help to heighten the emotions even further. Sadly, Eternal Flame proved to be more of a triumphant song, swan song than the start of a new imperial phase. The quartet split shortly after its release, but reconvened nine years later for the first of a series of on-off reunions. This is a song that awoken men's libidos. So many guys I know were like in love with Susanna Hoffs. Oh. Because of the song. Oh. This is the song that did it for them. Yeah, I mean, I was just having this conversation with one of them the other day. Mm. He's like, Susanna Hoffs. But it's this, this, this whole video. And then, like, this is the re- this song is pretty much the reason, one of the reasons they broke up. Because Susanna was getting too much attention. Oh. And they didn't like it. I love this song. I don't remember the video. Obviously, I'm not a man. Because obviously, if I was a man, I would totally remember the video. You obviously, it's a it's it's a sex. Machine. Well, do you ever watch? Do you ever follow her on TikTok? No. One of these days, I'm going to just have to get you on this list of people we follow. But anyway, her TikTok's really great. Every Monday, she sings Manic Monday, a snippet of Manic Monday, and puts it on her TikTok. TikTok. So, mm-hmm. all right, and that is that for this episode. This has been Classic Pop's Top Twenty Girl Band Singles of the Nineteen Eighties. This was written by John O'Brien in December Seventeenth, Twenty Twenty One. Thank you, John, for providing us with yes, a I- podcast. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, if you knew any of these songs and think there are better ones from the bands that are described, then please let us know. We would love to hear them. And uh, check us out for our next episode where we are going to talk about the best female bands of the 1980s. But there's like a hundred of them. So I really think that yeah, we're going to we're gonna narrow those down. Narrow it down a little bit. We'll, we'll find out. All right. We will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. You have been listening to 80s Music Rewind with Ruth and Lori. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.